What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome everyone to the Joan Hamburg Show. And Cheryl Crow is visiting and she's got something that I think, I don't really know Cheryl Crow, but it sounded surprising to me that this um, brilliant artist a nine-time Grammy Award recipient with an incredible career, which is flourishing. Like, why do a documentary now? But, Cheryl, why? How come a documentary now? Oh, my gosh, Joan, I'll be honest with you. When they came to me at the beginning of quarantine, sorry, my dogs are now barking. That's okay, I've got one, too. Oh, my gosh, they're so needy. Anyway, when they came to me, my manager came to me at the beginning of quarantine and said, look, you've got offers to do a documentary. This would be a great time to do it. And I said, absolutely not. Don't want to do it. And um, over a period of time, we discussed it more. And he's like, look, you have over 30 years of life experience, and it won't be all about the career. It's about the person. And I've, I've thought about how much documentaries have meant to me over the years, and they aren't all about people who've already died and gone on. So I decided, let's let's do it, but it's got to be on my terms, and hired a great documentarian or a great director, Amy Scott, and over the course of a year, we had tons of interviews, and we wound up with what we have, and, and I'm, I'm really pleased with it. I really love the soundtrack, which has got new songs on it as well, and so hopefully people will like it and they'll they'll see they'll see the journey of a person in my business as opposed to somebody famous who's reflecting on 30 years of fame. Right, and that's what I think is the gift. Like who knows, we see you this incredible woman with a fabulous career. We see you as a mother, as a friend, as a daughter, a sister, all these things, but we don't really know about the struggle. You know, when people reach heights, it's easy to look in and say, well, no big deal, you know, look what she's done, and it was easy. They don't really realize the struggle that goes on, the sacrifices to get to where you got to. Yeah, and I think, you know, for obviously I'm from a different generation. There, there, there wasn't social media. There weren't big TV contests where you could become famous really quickly with a built-in fan base. You know, you started out as a scrapper, and I, I'm grateful for that because it gave me the opportunity to figure out who I was, and it gave me the opportunity to really hone my thing. But um, nothing back then really happened overnight, and... Um, just navigating that, navigating going from working really hard um, on on my craft and then all of a sudden becoming famous as a celebrity and the two not seeming to, like, um, gel, it, it it was not without its challenges. And it, it's, it was a great, a great opportunity to talk about what it means to be a person and particularly a woman 
in um, in my business and still maintain some sense of self. Yeah. Well, and even the beginning with your boldness of sort of pushing your way to an audition for a Michael Jackson, he was going on tour, but you sort of, I, I didn't know, maybe I knew that, read that a hundred years ago, but I let it go. And it was fascinating to read that because was he oh my Michael gosh, Jackson? Joan, I was when... so ballsy. I mean, honestly, <laughs> you know, I didn't, the, I just thought, okay, what, what's the worst thing that can happen if I crash an audition? They can say, sorry, you can't come in. I mean, little things like that that I just thought, well, I've worked really hard. I'm a nice person and I'm just going to show up. And things did tend to work in my favor in most instances. It's it's crazy. Um, but, you know, some of those things, I was already, by the time my first album came out, I was already 29. Um, it, I just felt like I got no time to lose here. I'm going to go for it. Right. And, and then you go through periods when you think even with your first album, nothing's happening. Why is nothing happening? Nothing's ever going to happen. And you're sort of alone at moments like that because even the consolation from a friend or a fellow musician isn't enough to pull you over at that time. Yeah, I mean, I think the real story is that um, you just have to keep walking towards um, the end goal. And I just wanted to be a great musician and I wanted to be a great songwriter like the people that I had admired I mean I loved and still love Stevie Nicks and the Rolling Stones and um Stevie Wonder I mean all these people whose albums I I own James Taylor um uh, Tapestry Carol King helped me to figure out who, who I was as a kid and they also kind of gave me a ticket out of my hometown and um I wanted that life and it. I think you just keep keeping on. And that was the story for me of my career. I just kept kept at it, kept going, you know, kept just kept showing up. And that that can happen for anyone, but it's not going to be without its challenges, particularly as a woman. Right. And what beside Carol King, were there a lot of other women? I was trying to recall what women, as you were coming of age, were there as role models. There weren't a lot. Well, I mean, there were a lot of women on the radio when I was coming up, like Pat Benatar and Chrissy Hine and, and women like that. But when I was very young, you know, Carol King, Bonnie Raitt, Stevie Nicks, uh, uh, Chrissy, um, you know, I had some pretty fierce role models, definitely, who seemed to be take no prisoners. And when I first saw Bonnie Raitt play, that's when I thought, well, um, there's no reason a woman can't front the band and still you know, rock out on a guitar. And so there were lots of women that kind of gave me permission along the way to figure out who I was. And now here we are, we have a documentary and I got to put I three knew. new songs on it and Mick Jagger is playing on one of them. And, you know, it all kind of comes full circle. So I'm just curious, you have this coming out on May 6th. At this stage now, the kids are teens and growing up. Are you ready for another change, or is this a good place to hang out in for a while? Oh man, I, I you know, I, I don't feel guilty in at all in saying I'm. The last ten years have been the happiest. The last fifteen years have been the happiest years of my life, and I think 
when you have kids, it it simplifies things fiercely. You know, it, it it puts everything in perspective, and all the decisions you make become easier because they are founded on what's best for my kids. And it's really made things easy. You know, I, I'm 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 undergoing all the challenges of being in an ageist uh, industry, um, but right. I love my life. And I love. I love and and to be able to we have a song that's out now called Forever. I'd be able to put my kids in the doc, in the documentary and did in they the love video. that? They've, they've never been photographed. I've never you know advertised Done my that. kids. So we're sort of at a really sweet place. And the kids were probably thrilled with it. Did they love music? They love music. Um, my fourteen-year-old, who's about to be fifteen next week, is. You know, he's a little more campy, a little more ham. My 11-year-old doesn't, he doesn't want to be on or in anything of mine. Mm. He just wants a mom. He wants my, He wants his mom to be normal, drop him off at school, pick him up at school, you know, and, and I'm great with that. I, you know, that's what I signed up for. But, and you, it was interesting because that, you wanted that all along, even with the big fame and the high points. You still wanted that life, whatever that life was. You wanted a piece of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I had a really beautiful upbringing and parents who, I mean, they're still married 66 years and still going strong. And you think that's what your life's going to look like. But then you can't um, you, you can't negate the fact that you don't have that life. Your life took you to Tokyo and it took you to Russia for crying out loud. And, mm-hmm. right. you know, sometimes it's not going to look exactly the same, but sometimes it's going to be amazing. And that's, um, and then that's my story. And the story, unbelievable. I loved hearing all about the Tuesday night music club and all these things that happened to you along this journey that you recognized and took part in and got over the bad and kept on going. And that's a gift, too. Yeah, you know, um, I, I can safely say that nobody escapes challenges. You know, I, I know, um, you know, I'm I'm a breast cancer survivor. Um, when you look at the statistics of, of how many women will have breast cancer, I'm in a very large community of outstanding yeah. women who have experienced the same thing I have, and, and it doesn't matter you know, cancer doesn't care if you're famous or you're not famous. And um, mm. so there's a lot to my story that I think a lot of people will relate to. And this is a brand new documentary called Cheryl. And that documentary, May 6th, I look forward to talking to you again. Congratulations and all good things to you and your family. Thank you, Joan. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. We'll talk again. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. More ahead. 